Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus declared, quote, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This is what it means to be a genuine disciple of Jesus Christ. Do you have a lifestyle of denying yourself and your desires and your preferences for Jesus? Are you carrying the trials and difficulties and burdens that Jesus has given you with a heart to please him and love him? Are you actively following in the steps of Jesus as you do these things? Let's open our Bible to Luke chapter 9 and look at the incredible privilege we have of being disciples of Jesus who deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus every day. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Sunday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all loving on Jesus. Spending your time with Jesus, spending more and more time in your devotional life with Jesus, spending time in the scriptures, reading your Bible, studying your Bible, memorizing your Bible, above all, obeying the words in your Bible, right? Spending time in prayer, spending time in thanksgiving. Uh, thanksgiving is just prayer where we don't ask for anything, right? Just going before the Lord and being thankful for just all the incredible blessings in our lives and the infinite blessings we're not even aware of, right? Spending time in fellowship with other believers, talking about Jesus and having community in Jesus, um, just spending time in praise and worship. All of these are, are ways we grow to know Jesus, grow to walk with him, right? So thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, well, today we're, we're still in Luke 9. Um, we'll do verses 18 to 27 here, Lord willing. Man, I just rushed back. I just had a, a wonderful breakfast. My my big sister, Alicia, bought me breakfast and coffee at the diner. Thank you, Alicia. It was a good time of fellowship. She uh, she makes insights onto the podcast. And, uh, you know, she was just sharing with me this the time in Israel. She was listening to a teaching on uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane from the book of when we when we were teaching through the book of John. And uh, she's been there. And so just picturing that scene of when Jesus came out and they and said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. This is in John chapter 18. And it said they all fell to the ground. Right. Um, and this was probably around 600. Right. Fully armed soldiers fall to the ground. When Jesus says, I am he. Um, and so we were talking about that this morning and just had a good discussion. So thank you again, lady, for, for breakfast and the coffee. Thank you, Lord Jesus, and the fellowship. All right. So we are in uh, Luke 9. We're going to do verses 18 to 27. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for our Bible. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us, for living a perfect life for us, for dying a perfect death for us. And we thank you that you're alive and risen today and we worship you. Father, we thank you for our Bible. 
We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your favor, and your grace on our lives. But above all, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Jesus, Father. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Luke 9, starting in verse 18. Once, when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowd say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? Peter answered, The Christ of God. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said to them, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Those are some some heavy, heavy words, right? Alicia, her and I were talking about this this morning, um, you know, while we were eating, just, you know, going over these verses. I was going over them and, you know, you know, I do this oftentimes, you know, before I, I teach a scripture, we, you know, we did it in Bible study last Tuesday. And I was discussing it with Alicia this morning and just I'll study it myself. And so, uh, you know, really, the more times you you talk about a passage and study the passage, it just it continues to bear more and more and more fruit. It's endless. It's the word of God. There are literally never ending insights that we gain from spending time in our Bible. That's why we do this. OK, verse 18. It's an interesting verse. Um, you know, it says once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? It's the translation doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't reveal, you know, uh, the other translation says once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples joined him. Um, and again, when you read the words, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, well, how could he be in private if his disciples were with him? So really what happened is he was he was praying privately and his disciples kind of busted in, right? They kind of just, they joined him unannounced, right? Um, and so, you know, he, re he receives them. And, it, you know, it says when Jesus was praying in private. So Jesus set us a model. OK, uh, Jesus is God. OK, we have a triune God, God, the father, God, the son, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, one being 
one God, but he's so immense that he's represented in three individual persons, right? Um, you and I are one being, one human being, and represented in one person, right? Um, he is one being, one God, represented in three distinct separate persons, okay? Um, and so when Jesus, when God the Son became a man, okay, um, he was actually fully man, he was completely human, but at the same time fully God. It's an incredible mystery, right? Now, when he became a man, okay, he lived this life in a way to model for us, okay? So it says once when Jesus was praying in private, okay? So being God, obviously he didn't have to pray, but being a man, he became a man and lived the perfect life and showed us and modeled for us how life is to be lived. So in this way, he prayed and submitted himself as a man to God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, the way that, you know, you and I are called to submit ourselves to the, you know, to God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Once when Jesus was praying in private, do you have private times of prayer? Sometimes we, you know, sometimes we do well and we, you know, I have brothers in Christ, uh, you know, generally every day, my brother Jesse and I pray as an elder in the ministry and we pray together, but we also need to have times of private prayer. Okay. So do you have a, a private prayer life? Scott, are you, do you have times throughout your day where you're praying, Corinne, um, just praying to God, the father or God, the son, Jesus, or God, the Holy spirit. Don't pray to any, any people alive or dead. Okay. You can pray to any member of the Trinity. They're all God. But that's it. We don't pray to angels. We don't pray to people. We pray only to the triune God. In Jesus Christ, all of us are in relationship with God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? Okay, so now obviously Jesus knows this. But he's, you know, he's wanting to, he's going to want to go deeper with his disciples here. He's going to want to really, you know, he's going to want to see what their response is. You know, he's wanting to test them to see, you know, what are the crowds saying I am, but who do you say I am? And this is an important question for today. It doesn't matter what the crowds say. Okay, there are around two billion people or more that claim to be Christians. Okay, but you can't make up your own Jesus, Stephen. You can't just, you know, we can't just all make up our own Jesus in our own mind. Okay, it's the Jesus of the Bible, it's the Jesus of the Gospels. Okay, it doesn't matter what the crowds say. Okay. Do you know the Jesus of the Bible? Have you received Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior, as the Bible explicitly says in John 1.12? It says, to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Do you understand that the Bible is clear that without Jesus, we are utterly hopeless, helpless, 
We are desperate and only eternal hell awaits without Jesus. Out of his own mouth in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Only in Jesus Christ do we have eternal life. Only in Jesus Christ do we have spiritual life. So, but he wants to know who the crowds say I am. The disciples reply, verse 19, they replied, some say John the Baptist, which he's not. Some say Elijah, which Jesus is not. And still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. Jesus is not any of those things. Okay. He's not John the Baptist. He's not Elijah. And he's not, you know, one of the great prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel. He's not Daniel. He's not any of those guys come back to life either. So the crowds had it wrong. Okay. There, there was Jesus, but they didn't really know who Jesus was. And if you don't really know who Jesus is, Tom, you can't be properly trusting in Jesus. Okay. <clears throat> so look what he says in verse 20. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And Jesus is asking you that question today, May. He's asking every single one of us, Esther, that same question. But what about you? Every single human being. There are 8 billion people in the world. 8 billion. Okay, so to give you some understanding, it takes 1,000 million to make a billion. Okay, so 1,000 million makes a billion. So there are 8 thousand million people in the world okay that's that's a lot of people walking around right every single person on earth that there has ever been but i'm talking about that's alive today and will ever be alive has to deal with this question jesus is saying to you but what about you he asked who do you say i am who do you say that jesus is if you're thinking Jesus was just a good man, you don't know who he is. If you're thinking that Jesus was just a prophet, you don't know who Jesus is. If you just think Jesus was just another one of the, the religious figures like there was in the Bible or like there are in other religions, right? Like Buddha or, or Muhammad or Gandhi um, or Mother Teresa um, or Mother Mary or the Apostle Paul or Peter. If you just think Jesus is one of those... You don't know who he is, okay? Jesus is not like any of the Old Testament prophets. He certainly has some qualities, but he's so much more that, that, that words cannot accurately describe how much more he is. But we need to all ask ourselves this question, Ronnie. But what about you, Jason? But what about you, Mandy? But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And it goes and it says in verse 20, Peter answered, the Christ of God. Okay. Christ means Messiah, means Savior. Okay. Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name. He is the Christ. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. What is a Savior? We need to be saved. 
Okay, we need to be saved. All human beings need to be saved from eternal hell and separation from God for all eternity. We need to be saved from that because we are all sinful. All human beings are sinful. Our triune God is holy, sinless, perfect. But humanity is sinful, okay? All of us are sinful, right? Romans 3.23 says that every single human being is sinful and falls short of God's holy standard. We need a savior. Nothing we do can take away our sin. All the good works we do cannot help us even an ounce to take away our sin. We are hopeless, helpless, and desperate. That's why God the Son, Jesus, became a human man. That's why he came into the world as the Christ, because humanity needs a savior. Every single human being that's ever lived needs a savior. That's why Jesus became a man. That's why our God became a human man. That's why he lived the perfect righteous life that we could not live. He lived it on our behalf and in our place. And then he died a a perfect righteous death a death that we should have died. Now, ours would not have been a righteous death. We deserved death and punishment, and we deserve eternal hell. But he died that perfect righteous death that we should have died on our behalf and in our place. And he's raised from the dead. Jesus is alive and risen. And simply, do you believe he is that Christ and that Savior? And have you received him as John 1.12 said, that to all who receives, to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received Jesus? Are you trusting in Jesus, relying on Jesus, literally clinging to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Jesus alone. You might say, you know, I'm, you know, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I believe that he's the Christ. I believe he's the Savior. But I'm not sure if I'm trusting in him. If you're not sure, you can just go before him now and call out to him, right? Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hear me. It's not our words that save us, okay? It's Christ that saves us. But, you know, in faith, we use our words to to communicate our heart to Jesus, right? You're not sure, just go before Jesus in prayer. Just humble yourself before him now and simply pray, Lord Jesus, you know, I know that I'm a sinful person, Lord. I know that I've done wrong. And Lord Jesus, I know that I am hopeless and helpless and desperate without you. But Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you are the Christ of God. And I do believe you came into this world and lived that perfect life even for me and died that perfect death even for me. And I believe you are alive and risen today, Lord Jesus. And I ask you now, therefore, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence and hope in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God, right? Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
again, a Christian is someone who's trusting in Christ. If you're not sure, back up the tape, rewind it. Again, use the words I used. But what's important is the sincerity, the genuineness of your heart, that you genuinely are humbling yourself before Jesus, knowing your desperate need without him, knowing that without Jesus, only eternal hell awaits. And then from that place, you know, you call out to him, right? Just, you know, with your heart, believing in Christ and asking him to save you and to be the Lord of your life, right? That's a Christian. Again, a Christian is someone who is believing that God, the son, Jesus became a human man for them, lived a perfect life for them, died a perfect death for them, has been raised from the dead, and they've received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They're trusting and relying on Jesus alone for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. Have you answered this? When Jesus said, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And when he asked you that question, like Peter, can you say the Christ of God? You're not only, you're not only the Savior, the Messiah, you're my Savior and you're my Messiah and I worship you, Jesus. It's interesting. Verse 21, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. Now, that's interesting. Why would he say that? Because we've been instructed now to tell this to everyone. And after his resurrection, Jesus instructed the disciples to go to all the nations, right? And make disciples of Christ. It's our job to tell the whole world that Jesus is the savior, okay? So why would Jesus say in verse 21, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone? The crowds and even his disciples up to this time, okay? And even after this, his disciples aren't gonna understand. Israel was looking for the promised Savior, you know, throughout the Old Testament. There are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament, starting in Genesis chapter 3, that, that the Messiah, the Savior, would come, that the Christ would come, right? Um, and it prophesied this throughout the entire 39 books of the Old Testament, again, over 300 times. Um, but there was a misunderstanding of what the Messiah would do. People who were living in Israel at this time of Jesus, they were, they were desperately wanting the Messiah to come, but they didn't understand what the purpose of the Messiah was. They wanted Jesus to come and to restore the glory to Israel. They wanted Jesus to come and remove Israel out from the bondage of being under the, the hand of Rome. They wanted Jesus to come and, and, and bring a physical deliverance from, you know, from the Romans who, who had authority and who were occupying Israel at the time, right? Um, so they were looking for the Messiah to be like this great conquering king, like, say, King David or Alexander the Great, that was going to bring, you know, this immense physical deliverance so that they wouldn't have to continue to suffer you know, under Roman occupation. That's not why Jesus came. Now, when he comes again, he will certainly come as a conquering king. But he came as a suffering servant. Jesus came to bring us a spiritual deliverance. And they didn't understand that. He came to bring us spiritual life. He came to bring us eternal life. He came to die and suffer on behalf of, of all humanity, right? He came to die in our place, to suffer in our place, 
to be punished in our place and to take the sin on himself that we sinned and to credit us with his righteousness. Uh, the, the exchange of the gospel is so incredible, there's no words for it, right, Nathan? When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the perfect righteous life, Scott, that Jesus lived is actually credited to you as if you lived it and to me as if I lived it. And all of our sin, every sin we've ever committed in our life, past, present, and future, is credited to Christ at the cross. That incredible exchange, my horrible, disobedient, wicked, sinful life, in exchange for the perfect, righteous life that Jesus lived, that exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel. And it's, it's incredible. There's, there's no words for it, right? But that people didn't understand that. Okay, people didn't understand that they needed a, a spiritual deliverer. Again, they were looking to exalt Jesus again as, as a physical deliverer from the Romans. And so when it says Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone, it's again because they didn't understand the Messiah they needed. And the disciples didn't even understand it up to this point, And really, really until his resurrection, the disciples still didn't understand that Jesus was not did not come to be a physical deliverer when he came the first time. Now, when Jesus comes again, again, he will rule physically on earth. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. Verse 22. And, and here he's going to give them something that's so incredible. Here he's going to lay down, wrap, something that, and he's going to say it so plainly, there's no words. He's going to say it so plainly that it almost can't be misunderstood, but it, they are going to misunderstand it because again, it's, it's going to, they, they don't understand what he's saying here, but so the crowds are saying that he's John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the prophets um, who had died long ago, you know, in the old Testament to come back to life. And so now he's going to explain to the disciples very clearly in verse 22, his purpose in coming. Verse 22, and he said, the son of man must suffer many things, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So he gives them a detailed explanation of what he came to do. Um, they, they clearly don't understand what he's saying here. It doesn't explain it here. It explains it in the other gospels that they don't understand what he's saying. So now he's explaining to the disciples first so they can understand the real purpose that the Messiah has come. He's come to give his life. He's come to suffer. Again, sometimes, sometimes. All the time, we really don't have a genuine appreciation of all that Christ has done for us and how much we needed him to do this. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things. Jesus suffered horribly, was tortured horribly on my behalf and on your behalf and on behalf of all humanity. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things 
and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. Jesus was utterly rejected, sadly, by the religious leaders of his day, by, by all the pastors, by the big-time pastors and elders and bishops and teachers and spiritual leaders of his day. He was utterly rejected. And that's something we have to watch out for, right? Again, um, we need to humble ourselves and come to know and receive and walk with the Jesus of the Bible, okay? I can't say it enough. We can't just make up in our own mind our own Jesus. If you want to know Jesus, you have to know the Jesus of the Bible as clearly portrayed, okay, on the pages of Scripture, this is the real Jesus. This is the Jesus you need to receive for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, and your deliverance from eternal hell. And this is the Jesus you need to walk with and grow to know and grow to obey. Hmm. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. You see that, Becky? And he must be killed. And on the third day be raised to life, Pop. He tells the disciples now clearly. So this is who the crowds say he was. Okay, Jesus is not who the crowds say he was. Jesus is the Christ, the Savior. Okay, He came and he did suffer many things. He was rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And he was killed, and on the third day, he was raised to life. It says the third day because he was in the grave. His body was in the grave, not his, not his spirit. But he was in the grave for part of Friday, all of Saturday, and part of Sunday morning, right? And on the third day, be raised to life. And he has indeed been raised to life. And he explains this to now to the disciples and as I've said, and it's very clear in the other Gospels that they don't understand what he's saying. Verse, look what he says now. And uh, these are some heavy, heavy verses in 23 to, uh, to 27. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 24. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life from me will save it. What does he mean here? What does he mean here? Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So Jesus is not talking about being saved here. You don't get saved by denying yourself. You don't get saved by taking up your cross. But this is how you become a disciple of Jesus. A Christian and a disciple are two different things. Okay, A Christian is someone who has genuinely received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They're, they're actively trusting in Jesus Christ alone right now for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. You're a Christian. Okay, You're, you're spiritually alive. You're born again. You'll go to heaven when you die. A disciple is something different. A disciple is an apprentice of Christ. He's a, a learner of Christ. He's a, a follower of Christ. He or she is trying to grow to be more like Jesus in every aspect of their life. You're growing to walk with Jesus, growing to know him, 
growing to know his love, growing to love him, growing to be like him, growing to obey him, consistently repenting when you fall short. In, in your relationship with Jesus, your revelation of Jesus, your understanding of Jesus, and your walk with Jesus and with the Father and with the Holy Spirit is growing more intimate and more powerful. So he says here, then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me. So if you want to come after Jesus and really do this thing as Jesus set it up and be a genuine disciple of Jesus. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So three things. First, if you want to come after Jesus and be a disciple, it's going to, it's going to involve denying yourself. What does that mean? This is just so hard for me to do. I just, I fail in this consistently. I consistently repent. But it's just to deny your own preference, to deny your own desires, to deny your own way, to deny what you want. And Father, I ask you to forgive me. I just, I continually fail. I like my preferences, right? It's, we're selfish as human beings. I am. I consistently see places where I, I, you know, I want my own fun, my own enjoyment, my own desires, you know, even when that's not, say, the preference of others. And I, and I ask you to forgive me, Lord. Uh, just forgive me, Father. Um, you know, if anyone come after me, he must deny himself. So do you have a lifestyle of consistently looking to where, you know, you need to deny yourself and live and walk as Jesus would have you to walk. He must deny himself and take up his cross daily. Your cross is what Jesus has given you to bear, the difficulties, the hardships. In self-denial, we carry our cross. Jesus carried his cross, his cross that he would ultimately be nailed to, right? And Jesus has given us, each of us, we all have different, different crosses to bear in our life, right? He must carry, he said he must deny himself and take up his cross daily. We have to be willing to carry the burdens and the difficulties and the trials and the hardships that Jesus has given us to, to carry, knowing that they're for our good, knowing that it brings glory to his name, knowing that it helps the witness of Christ, so you see the cost of being a disciple of Jesus here is immense. Again, do you have a lifestyle of picking up your cross? Again, and it's not easy. The point is, none of us do this perfectly, but are you in this process of denying yourself? Taking up your cross daily, and then Jesus said, and follow me. And following Jesus, and living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, Melanie, right? Forgiving for Jesus, right? Do you have a lifestyle of growing to walk with Jesus and denying yourself and taking up your cross and looking to follow him and live for him? Look what he says in verse 24. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. Again, this is so such a counterintuitive statement, right? For whoever wants to save his life We'll lose it, okay? Ultimately, you're not going to find any life, any meaning, any joy, any power, any intimacy in your relationship with Jesus if you're trying to hold on to, to your desires in this life and your wants in this life and your pleasures in this life and your agenda in this life and your ambition in this life. Nor will I. 
for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. If we're trying to just to hold on to everything we want in this life, we're not going to have any life. We'll, we will ultimately have lost all the opportunities we had in this life. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. You see what Jesus says there? Whatever loses his life for me will save it. Again, are you in this process of denying yourself, taking up your cross and following Jesus and looking to consistently lay down your life little by little each day, right? Looking to lay, lay aside your life and your desires for what Jesus would have you to do. Now, what am I saying? It's, it's, it's fine to watch a movie. It's okay to watch a ball game. It's okay to, to play a game. But the point is, you know, are you looking to, to live for Jesus more and more and more and more? Are you looking, looking to more and more lose your life and your interests and your desires for what Jesus would have you to do? Now, again, Jesus is fine with you having hobbies and, and doing these things. But are you interested, again, in really growing to know Jesus and being on the same page with him? And if, if when, when, when the two, you know, you know, when the two things are, are opposite, are you willing to go to Jesus? Meaning, man, I want to watch the game today, which I really do, by the way. But if Jesus is calling me over here in this time, am I willing to deny my, my desires because, I'm, I'm, you know, Jesus is calling me to serve him? in a way that's contrary to what I want to do right now. And again, this is not easy, but Jesus, these are his words. And look at the words. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. Now, he's not talking about salvation here, but it does have a salvation application, right? I mean, you can't save your own life. If you try to save yourself, you'll ultimately lose your soul and spirit for eternity in hell. But if you will lose your life and know that your life has no value at all and put your full trust and confidence in Jesus. When it comes to being saved from your sin, your life can't save you. But if you humble yourself and totally give your life over to Jesus, you will be saved. So you can see there's a, a salvation application and a lifestyle application, right? Golly, Lord, the words are incredible. And notice the boldness. Unless, unless Jesus is God, this is the most preposterous statement ever uttered. Look what he says. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. Who talks like that? Whoever. Listen to the words. For whoever. This is everyone in the world. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me We'll save it. We really don't know who we're dealing with. Okay. When you look at that language, Jesus is either full blown God or he's a madman, right? Because no one talks like this. Obviously, he's not a madman. Obviously, this is just the real Jesus. Okay. Um, whoever loses his life for me will save it. So, again, are you in the process? of growing to lose your life for Christ. Verse 25, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? The other version says forfeit his soul. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? What good is it if you gain all the pleasures, if I gain all the pleasures and all the excitement and all the joy and all the comforts of this world, but yet, I have no Jesus. I have no intimacy with Jesus. I have no walk with Jesus. And really the, the, the depth of who I am 
I lose my very self. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? So you see that you, the person you, Susan, right? You are not your fun, your pleasures, your comforts, your joys, your happinesses, you know, just your pleasures in this world. That's not you. Okay. Your soul, your spirit, the, deep down, your life is called to have meaning in Jesus Christ. And he says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world? And he means humanity here, man or woman. What good is it as, as a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? So again, you want to you wanna examine yourself. You know, do you have a lifestyle of trying to walk with Jesus and and more and more adapt to living for him. Verse 26, a heavy and hard verse, man. If anyone is ashamed of me, again, Jesus speaking, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the father and of the holy angels. Okay, so again, do you see the manner in which Jesus speaks? This is certain. He is coming. He's coming in the glory of the Father. He's coming with holy angels, okay? And he says, if anyone is ashamed of me in my words, are you ashamed of Jesus? Are you willing to talk about Jesus? Do you have a lifestyle of bringing up Jesus, right? None of us do this perfectly, right? Um, even Peter failed to speak up for Jesus. But we're not talking about the one-off mistake here, but are you willing at all? to stand for Jesus? Are you willing to, to bring up Jesus? Are you willing to say that, you know, Jesus Christ is, 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 is all that matters to me in this life? The words are real. If anyone is ashamed of me, this is Jesus speaking. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man, and that's him, Jesus will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the father and of the holy angels. I know it's hard. You know, there are, there are times where I've shrunk back and, you know, we need, we need to be willing to speak for Jesus. You know, people will consistently say, and they'll misuse this statement that, uh, you know, that, you know, you know, you, you know, show your love for Jesus in your actions. Well, no, we're called to also use our words for Jesus. We are called to speak for Jesus. We are called to be willing to, to testify about Jesus and to tell people about Jesus and who he is and what he's done and who he's been and what he's done in our lives. Revelation 12, 11 says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Again, are you willing to talk about Jesus? Do you bring up Jesus in, in conversation again? And if you're not, just, just simply go before Jesus in repentance and say, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, I don't, I don't speak about you as I should. I don't bring you up enough, Lord. And I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to help me. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, these are Jesus's words. The son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes. He is coming and he is coming in glory and power. Comes in his glory and in the glory of the father and of the holy angels. And then verse 27, I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death. Before they see the kingdom of God. So 
There were those standing around Jesus at the time, the disciples and the others who heard him. He said, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death. They won't die before they see the kingdom of God. What does that mean? That those who heard him, obviously his disciples and some of the others, they didn't die until they saw the resurrected Christ. They didn't die until they saw, they did see the death of Jesus, but they saw his resurrection. And then they witnessed the incredible power, many of them, of what happened in the early church. And 3,000 people getting saved at Pentecost and, you know, and, uh, you know, people getting healed and, and Peter's shadow and just the miracles and the power of the coming that the Holy Spirit came when he came. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. And really all of us need to, to see and understand the kingdom of God and the gospel of God before we taste death. So have you received Jesus Christ? Are you trusting and relying on Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Again, if you're not sure, rewind the tape, go back, humble yourself before Jesus and receive him as your only Lord and Savior. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our Bible. We thank you for these scriptures, Father. We just thank you for your mercy and your favor and your goodness on our lives. But above all, Father, we thank you again for Jesus our Alpha and our Omega, our beginning and our end, our first and our last. Lord Jesus, we ask you to help us today. Help us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow you and forgive us where we failed. Forgive me, Lord. Lord, help us to, to not want to save our life, but to lose our life for you, that we might truly save it, Lord, and, and, and have the fullness of life. And again, forgive us where we failed. And Lord Jesus, please forgive us where we, where we have been ashamed of your words. Help us, Lord, to not be ashamed of you and to, and to walk with you and to love you, Lord, and to, be, and to be excited and proud of you and your words. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal the message to our hearts now. We ask that you give us eyes that see Jesus and ears that hear him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.